This episode is sponsored by Surmise. Their software makes contract review, creation and management easy for legal teams wherever they work. Go check them out at surmise.com. That's S-U-M-M-I-Z-E dot com. Hi, I'm Anne, and she's Rach, and this is So You Think You Want to Be a Lawyer, a podcast where we'll be sharing our own legal journeys, top tips on how to qualify as a solicitor, and what you do to stay sane and healthy when you get there. So welcome this week to our fabulous episode with the solicitor, <laughs> Darlene Giselle. Lovely to have you with us. Thank you for speaking to us today. I suppose to kick off, it would be good to understand a little bit about your legal journey. Absolutely. Well, thank you for asking. As much as it could be a cliche, I think I wanted to be a lawyer for as long as I can remember. I used to hang about in my dad's office and ask him, you know, Daddy, what do you do when you love paperwork so much? Well, you become a lawyer, <laughs> my darling. <laughs> You know, there there are great stories out there about, you know, little girls that want to ride unicorns, but I wanted to be a lawyer. There we go. (laughs) Following dad's footstep, he was an insurance broker, but he always was somehow related to that industry of the law and paperwork. It felt very natural to me to pursue a career in law. I went to Cambridge, studied law very early on. I wanted to get a training contract and I wanted to go into Super a big... organized. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I had, a, I had an itinerary. I think I started dreaming about going to Cambridge University when I was maybe 10 or 11. <laughs> so my dad was really obsessed with marine biology of all things. And he would talk to me about Darwin and I thought I could study where he did. So <laughs> I was not your typical little girl, as you can no. probably gather. <laughs> At a very young age, you were instantly ready to just follow in dad's footsteps. Very early. I was just turned 18. I couldn't do anything fast enough. I did a one law degree, but I didn't think it was enough. So I did a double degree and I went to study a master in law at French University so I could be a dual qualified lawyer, which as if one legal <laughs> degree was not hard enough. Yeah. <laughs> And then I joined my dream firm back when I was at BPP Law School in London. I got the training contract just before, got really excited, didn't hesitate for a second. You know, I had done all the VAC schemes and it was where I wanted to go. And I couldn't wait to be a litigator. I didn't think there was any other choice for me. A lawyer had to be a litigator. Um, It was actually a brilliant experience. My colleagues were outstanding, high achievers, high intellect. I loved the journey, but I think my drive was perhaps a bit too high and my impatience a bit too high. (laughs) And I drove myself to a wall. I burnt out after four and a half to five years. I really don't blame the industry or my colleagues or my law firm. In fact, I have an amazing relationship with them all now, but I don't think it was for me. I I took it perhaps too at heart. I was way too emotionally involved with the cases. I I remember vividly, you know, just going to bed and replaying the whole day in my head. And perhaps that's what what everybody does, but it was driving me to a point where, you know, I was facing insomnia, panic attack, just feeling very anxious. So I made a difficult decision to go 
into a different sort of career and go more towards the legal tech side of things, not as a solicitor, but still in the law. At what point was this? Two PQE, so I had done four years total. Yeah. So training contract, two years, two years qualified, and then you started to do legal tech. Yes, that's okay. right. Got it, got it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't ready to leave the legal world altogether. When I say I'm passionate about the law, I, mm-hmm. I say it with all my heart. I wasn't ready to give up and I didn't want to give up. So I went to work in legal tech and it was a fantastic experience, but I had this urge, you know, yeah. that I, there was something else. And I went on a, on a quest. I left London altogether and mm-hmm. I started to travel all across the world. I went to live in India, went to live in Indonesia, went to live in Bali. I became wow. a wellness coach, traded all my suits for, you know, yogi. It was <laughs> simple. Amazing. <laughs> I gave up my flat, all my belongings, and I just, you know, just started. <gasps> Thank you. Um, Let's pause. You gave up everything. Like literally, yeah. No, I used to live yes. in Chelsea and <gasps> I took my passport and I went on my world wow. tour. I just needed to see what else I could be when I wasn't a lawyer. That's amazing. Perhaps my obsession for becoming a lawyer had started a bit too early and I was quite obsessive about yeah. my success. But yeah, I don't think that I did it in a sustainable manner. I started as a sprinter. Yes. Yeah. Notwithstanding yeah. that I could have been a marathon runner. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And I suppose... Because I was thinking as you were describing how you got started, it does seem like you were pretty single-minded and very focused. Yeah, 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 I was. I was. And I would always be the one that would like volunteer for more. At that point, I didn't know another way to do it. Yes. See, I had friends that told me, but why don't you go to regional firms or why don't you go to a smaller firm? But in my map of the world, it wasn't what I wanted. So I thought, okay, let me just reverse engineer that. What it is that I would have needed to do what I did in a sustainable manner. Well, perhaps if I had a coach that would have given me a blueprint on how to do what I love to do, but more sustainably. So how could I become the coach that I wish I had? And that became my mission. And I'm going to have my story be a cautionary tale which is quite a vulnerable place to be, you know. I think it holds integrity that you have the experience behind it. Did the health coach idea come from this time that you were away when you were in a period yeah, of rest yeah. and recuperation? And- yeah, my creed, so to speak, for my brand identity and my business was when I was uh, in Bali and in India and I was putting myself in the shoes of who I used to be and the lawyers that I know are suffering, thinking, how can I bridge the gap? Mm-hmm. How can I integrate the wisdom of the East to the high-tech, high-speed lifestyle of the West without being woo-woo, without going to <laughs> La La Land? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think that would have lost me back then and still suspect that it would lose a lot of the corporate crowd. But even thinking back of my times when I was a lawyer, if someone approached me and talked to me about my chakra, I would probably have left the room and think... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what, what's next you know you, I you're literally don't even have time to eat lunch <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. so let's take it back then you're qualified into your dream law mm-hmm. what did working there look like to the point that you got to burnout if I can ask it that way sure the cumulative stress factors I think and the like of release on my part it became my whole entire world and I, you know, sacrificed a lot of my personal wellness. I remember, you know, not even taking the time to go for a walk. I think that 
perhaps had I had the ability to switch off in my downtime, I could have felt better when I went back to work, but I didn't know. It's almost one of the skills that you need to learn as a trainee solicitor in my opinion. Yes. I remember being really stressed at one trainee phase. I got home and it was like 10 o'clock at night and all you've been doing is stressing and working. I hadn't eaten and my mum came over and she got me some, I think she went to M&S, a few of the salad boxes, you know, with like the green edamame little potato croquettes that she put in the oven. And I literally broke down in tears because it was nice warm comfort food with my mummy <laughs> and it, it's really hard you, you know you have to find your way of navigating it otherwise you do I think everyone would burn out yes mm. and I think this tools and techniques that can play with your mind to switch off as far as I could see they were not taught law firms do the best they can but at the end of the day they're running a business we as individual need to learn the toolkit to look after our basic needs and I failed to do that you know mm-hmm. I used to think that not sleeping for a couple of days was fine, but it's not fine. It will catch up with you at some point. But what happens is that you mimic your role models. And I had extraordinary role models because I thought if I do as they did, I will be as successful as they are. The untold truth of the story is that maybe they're burnt out or maybe they're about to burn out. And maybe they too are missing some of the tools and techniques that could help them to do what they do sustainably. Do you think you recognized that you needed some of those tools as you were burning out but did you know at the time that this is a problem i don't think that i was cognizant until i hit a wall and that's one problem of burnout there are 12 (laughs) stages of burnout in, in psychology and the biggest issue is the lack of awareness you're in it and then you hit the wall. I think had I realized, I mm-hmm. could have perhaps avoided it. What I advocate is if you genuinely love what you do, that's fantastic. But you have to learn tools and techniques so that you can keep doing it. I love it. Talk to me about ice bathing. Oh, great. Yes. Uh, so it's one of my actual uh, little go-to tool and technique for wellness and resilience. Mm-hmm. Because when you go into the eyes, you really have to work with your mind and with your breath and you have to activate that rest and digest response in a very stressful environment because when you are in ice you you really have your fight or flight firing off and you have to calm your mind with the power of breathing build that mental safe space and this is really the art and science of building resilience so one of the reasons I became such an advocate is because there is a parallel that can be drawn between resilience in a nice bath and resilience to life see we can't escape stressors we no, can't yeah, there's always going to be something that happens that exactly what we can learn to do is to have a better coping strategies in the face of stressors and that starts with the mind and mm-hmm. where the mind goes the body follows right so if you learn those quite extreme you know techniques such as ice bathing and remain composed with time your mental resilience will really escalate towards a very high beautiful direction and I'm not saying that everybody should go into an ice bath right away. And it's not even safe. So if you're listening, yes, yes, yes. you start by 30 seconds of cold water in the shower and you build it up and you hire a health coach to hold your hand in the process and give you all the health instructions. But it's, it's a very powerful tool. And it's also about reconnecting to nature. One of the symptomatic issue that I see with the legal industry as a whole is that we are so bound to our desk and to our life laptop and we live in this unnatural environment and and that's that's that you know there is no way around it however there are 
things that you can adjust into incremental changes to maximize your nature exposure throughout the day. Quick example, of course, you're going to have to do what you have to do during your work, but perhaps instead of taking a tiny lunch break in front of your screen, you're going to go for a walk right after you lunch outside with a colleague. Why not have a walk and talk session with one of the partner, one of the associate, be just as productive and effective, but combine it with a walk in nature. You can max out on little tools and techniques. You know, I'm not asking someone to do something really extreme, but it's incremental, consistent changes that will make radical difference. They compound into good things. Rach sent me a meme just yesterday that was something like, it was a silly picture of an animal sort of sulking as they were going on a walk. And it was because, yes, I'm going on a walk just to improve my physical and mental health. And sometimes that's me. I'm like, right, I need to get up because I've been, as you said, I've sat at my desk at my table for hours. Hours. It's time to get up and go, but it is so helpful. I'm going to elevate the top tip of walking <laughs> to take your shoes and socks off because I think yeah. Charlene says that you have to yeah. do it barefoot, ideally. Love that you said yeah. that. I actually <laughs> encourage my, my clients to take off their shoes. I know it sounds completely wacky. No, no, it's great. For a moment, you actually just get that grounding, earthing effect. Yeah. And I, I get it. You know, you're not about to walk into court without shoes, but <laughs> there are moments that you can maximize those things. But you also have to maximize good behavior when you're not working because mm. if your default rest time is netflix that's not going to help a whole lot that makes a lot of sense no more love island binges reach i wonder whether we could if you should be ipad outside and your feet Walking. on the ground that's got to be cheating right tell us Charlie, right. That's, that work? is <laughs> that a shortcut to cheating or you have to put it all down and just actually take a moment by yourself <laughs> and silence stillness is also an issue because we're always on the go and on the move and again not wanting to go to forest fairy here but there is wisdom to be found within when you actually sit down with your thoughts and get comfortable with stillness and silence this sounded completely off the wall to me but you, you can listen into your heart uh, and you can become cognizant of your breath. Again, this has been backed up by neuroscientists, you know. In my opinion, the most powerful tools are the tools that you keep with you at all time. So yes, we can have a whole bunch of fancy tech and really expensive gadgets, but nothing replaces the extraordinary body that we've been gifted with. And isn't it interesting that People naturally know how to look after their cars or their house and they're so worried about the color of the wallpaper or the color of the car but then when it comes to their body, mm. there is very little effort that is put into actively becoming the master of your wellness. Yeah, I agree. I wonder whether there's an element of busying yourself to distraction so that you don't have to deal with things that may come up when you give yourself stillness and silence. Absolutely. Everyone has their stuff. Everyone has things. But then I suppose if you give yourself that space and then work through it, then you're going to be even better on the other side, right? Yes. And, and those tools can be so accessible that you can actually implement them while working hacking your productivity in a positive way you know i work with clients that now take one minute breathing break and depending on how they want to feel either very relaxed or very sharp and focused i've taught them different breathing methodology (gasps) and that is not something that once they learn it's with them for the rest of their life it's not something that depend on they need to plug they need to find a battery they need to charge you know you you always have your breath it's extraordinary how breathing is the one thing that we do the most but we know how to do it consciously the least yeah you said you said a few times like the sort of best ways are the ones that you can sort of carry with you without tech and one of the things I do and I sort of 
feel my hands. I don't know if, if that means anything, but if you just stop and hold your hands, you can sort of sometimes feel your pulse and mm. that just grounds you a little bit. And so I do that sometimes. I, I don't know if that's along the same sort of lines as what you're suggesting. But. Absolutely. So that what you're doing there is you're tapping into your kinesthetic senses. So when you're touching your hand or for some people, it could be like tapping. It's very interesting to know which sense does respond best to you so if mm. i have a client that is very visual i will guide them through a visual guided meditation once you know the physiology and you understand the neuroscience of the brain you mm. can hack your patterns of behavior and do everything that you want to do in life at peak performance wow. and it's a- <laughs> <laughs> i could just listen to you talk all day the other thing i really wanted to ask your opinion on because you do actually do quite a lot of meat eating don't you just picking up on another trend oh, yeah. but be you know the vegan that's an understatement <laughs> yeah i eat a primal diet i'm a primal health certified coach so I mimic um, my ancestry and I eat uh, mostly organ meats. I drink a lot of water. Yeah. I work out. And, I mean, uh, you do look fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Well, it's an unconventional diet, but it's actually one that to me makes sense. And again, you know, I, I don't believe in being dogmatic. And if someone loves being a vegan and it fits their cup, I'm no one to come in and give a judgment on it. Again, I'm really extremely sympathetic. To, um, you know, I was living on special K bars and all sorts <laughs> yeah. of wraps. It's true. I didn't have yeah, time. Yeah. yeah. Whatever you can grab on the go, right? Yeah. I, I used to eat like a scroll, like I was grazing, you know, most of the time. And now I, I fish. I went on hunting trail. I'm very connected to nature. And I do believe that you can be an earth and animal lover and eat primarily. Sorry, I'm just stuck on you fishing and hunting. So I, was <laughs> ask- <laughs> I was fishing last night, actually. Really? <laughs> if you look at my story. Yeah, I love it. It's one of the things that I do with my dad. And I've always done as a little girl. And it's just, again, that becoming cognizant of what, what actually gets into your plate. When I was living in Indonesia for six months, I had to learn how to fish and got my fish and I was living on a completely tropical island so you know there was coconut and local fishes amazing what does your dad think of everything you're doing now just bringing it back to where it started when you were a little girl and what you know I just got goosebumps as you asked me this because it's a subject really close to my heart he was also one of the reasons why I changed um he suffered a heart attack and a stroke while I was a lawyer Mm -hmm. and it my world fell apart and it was a career-driven stroke and heart attack he was exhausted he was very stressed out and when I saw him well nearly die before my eyes and I thought he had it all I realized we had nothing because if he was going to die now you know all the money all the success meant nothing without my dad and being faced with mortality did something inside that yeah I could never go back to yeah and I remember when the doctor said that he was not off the hook yet and he was going to need you know a lot of care post-operation and they mentioned yoga and alternative therapy and I I thought, what? I'm going to have to trust some random person to look after my dad when I could learn everything there is to learn and I could be that person. <laughs> not not a controlling freak at all. As you can no, tell. no, I'm not picking up that vibe at all. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. It's always a story that I give, but it's true. He was my first student. When I came back and I had my yoga certificate and my health coaching certificate, I took him under my wing and I thought, well, you know what, that, like, that's it. We're going we're gonna to hack your health. And he's uh, 70 now and we went on a parachute together a couple of months oh. ago. 
my goodness. Wow. <laughs> we were fishing together yesterday. He's fitter than ever. He's, yeah. you know, completely changed his 360 way of living. He's yeah. the hero behind my process. And he's also my inspiration because every lawyer that I work with is, you know, somebody's dad, somebody's father, somebody's brother yeah. or sister or mother. And every time that I feel that I'm getting somewhere closer to full wellness, I think of my dad and how you know, it was life or death. And what I do do with lawyers has the potential to change their life and has changed their life. You know, a lot of my clients, you know, went from being morbidly obese to fit and healthy, from being depressed to being happy. I have clients that are deep into burnout. And then after three months or a few months, they leave again. There is a lot to be said for offering a transformation that is priceless. You know, I think we're very driven by material good. But when the thing that you can offer your client is sense of living, sense of joy and sense of health. I'm not sure there is a price tag to that. You're amazing. Wow, that's, that's an amazing way to look at it. I, I really got stuck on when you said he's the hero behind your process. That's um, Yeah, that's... He, he's the reason I became what I did in all the steps of my career. He's the, he's the one that inspired me and he's the one that forced me to think about the reasons behind what I do. He's, yeah, he's at the heart of, he's the reason that I call my program 360 because it is 360, 360 wellness. That's amazing. Is there any um, aspect of faith or religion in anything that you personally, like obviously you can't tell people to uh, believe anything or or follow. Do you have a personal faith or belief in anything that helps guide you? I love that you asked that question. And I think it is very important. And I think a lot of the time there is a spiritual crisis when people hit a mental block or an emotional mm-hmm. block. And it doesn't matter whether it's religious, whether it's church, whether it's mosque, whether it's uh, Judaism, Christianism, what matters or any other. I don't mean to uh, be picking yeah, yeah, one everything. more than... Everything's included. We Absolutely, love yes. <laughs> what matters is having a purpose in life and you know it's I'm really guided with Joseph Campbell there and I'm really um, a fan of philosophy and and looking back at the Greek histories what is your sense of purpose because there is a science to success but there is an art to fulfillment and I don't think that you can ever touch fulfillment fully if you are not guided by something that is bigger than yourself is it faith perhaps but it could be legacy too what matters is that it's not ego-driven It's something that is bigger than you. When I wake up, my faith is my community that I serve. I wake up hoping with a high intention that the legal community will have learned maybe one thing, maybe two, maybe a couple that will serve them. And that when I'm gone, there will be other people that carry on implementing some of the things that I've passed on. Not because I'm the original thinker, but because I was gifted with the ability to share a message. And that fills my cup, knowing that I can impact something that is bigger than me. I think that's faith. Yeah. I think it doesn't matter whether it's religious or not, but is what mm. is it that you believe that has an impact that is bigger than you? Eloquently put. Yeah, I, I, I really loved how you just expressed that. And I guess I'm wondering, how do you implement all of those things? As you said, when lawyers are your clients and city lawyers and, you know, big corporate law lawyers are your clients, how do you work with them? What does it look like working with the corporates and the lawyers behind those corporates? How long does it take to convince a cynic to come across you know what I mean can they book you in for a one-off session or do you you know do you, it's longer I imagine like- yeah my minimum commitment is three months okay um just because it's the amount of time it takes to have that holistic view at 
the whole habit. So when I onboard a client, I look at their sleep cycle, their circadian rhythm, their hormones, their habit, the way they think, their story, their limited belief. No, it's it's quite amazing actually how many people get sick around the same age that one of their parents passed because they have a limited belief around health and longevity or what is their belief story around vitality? What is their relationship like? Because, you know, there is health has a big element to the quality of the relationship in your life. You know, if there is toxicity anywhere, relationship with a big R, then it's something that needs to be optimized as well. You can't really elevate your life unless everybody that is in your direct proximity is on the same trajectory as you are. So it's quite a big task of being a friendly detective in the first few sessions. And, you know, asking those questions that perhaps they wouldn't have asked themselves and understanding if there are any stories, any scar tissue, you know, from the past that perhaps needs a bit of an update. The way I think of what I do is if you think of your brain as being the phone and you think as the software being the new update, what you do with mind work and with NLP and with uh, holistic healing is that you update the software. You keep the same phone, but you update it so that it runs smoothly. And mm-hmm. we human being need updates constantly because, you know, we have limited belief that perhaps has served us in the past, but they don't serve us now. And it could be one with career, with money, with success, with pride, you know, often asking the question, why do you do what you do? What's the purpose? And what's the purpose behind that? Okay, you want to make that amount of money. Okay, what's the purpose? And then you start going really granular and you understand perhaps where the limited belief is or where the trajectory could go. So you become that neutral space holder for the person to really maximize their full potential. I think I'm going to send you in for sessions, Anne. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) I feel like I need to get them for myself. (laughs) Okay, what's the wider plan? What's next for you, if I can ask it that way? Yes, um, so my biggest focus for this year is the law schools and the law students, because I really want to start early. I think it's extraordinary to be doing what I do with lawyers and law firms and I'm very grateful at the moment I do my VIP coaching on a private basis and my wellness program rolled out directly with law firms Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm also a very keen speaker and I love being able to help law school and I think there is you know a lot to be said about working directly with law students because if they already have those good habits early then they're more likely to and they are next generation and it ties back to you know my legacy and and the bigger than self like I want to be serving a community that is going to outlive me and so our law student now is the future generation of lawyer that we need to look towards and um my my biggest wish dream and passion is to empower them with tools that would make them the best lawyers that they can be for generations to go and then eventually branch out into something else like as in with like accountants or are there any other stress stressed city guys that need oh oh yeah so uh, some of my clients are fintech and investment bankers i work yeah. a lot with those industry too because i have a sort of natural inclination to understand Parallels what they do really things. well and my <laughs> former uh, career in legal tech meant that i had really nice tech love <laughs> yeah. so yeah. yeah fintech bank uh, architect as well 
Um, so if someone approaches me and I'm and is not a lawyer but is a high performing executive, I can work with them too. Yeah. But yes, the law industry is just one that I know particularly well and I'm particularly passionate about. And I think sometimes if you want to serve everybody, you end up serving nobody. Well, I was going to say there is only you. You know, you've only got so much bandwidth. You have to draw your boundaries, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, that's that's the idea. And the writing my ebooks, I have four now. So putting it into a full book and getting it published is my next big step again to be able to serve at a more impactful level. And yeah, yeah I think, you know, uh, on an individual basis, a happy lawyer makes uh, a happy law firm and a happy law firm makes a happy legal industry. And it's, you know, just a slightly happier world so that can only be a win-win-win right and where can you get the ebooks oh on my website yeah i have a whole section on resources and ebooks and breathwork assessment as well i do those and breathwork classes and my 360 wellness program for law firms and for lawyers Amazing. Amazing. The website, which is, what is the website? Uh, is my name. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that's as good a place as any, keeping an eye on time. If we take a couple of minutes, Rachel, fire. Okay, so it's now time for our quick fire round. We ask all of our interviewees a few questions. We want you to give the first answer that comes into your head when we ask the question. Here we go. First question. If you are still a lawyer, would you be in-house or private practice? Private practice. Not many people answer that one. Okay. No, I think I can see that though. It makes sense. So there was a thing that with my friends and I, when I was in private practice, where we'd collect pictures of ourselves with celebrities or in some kind of celebrity thing. If you had a picture and we had a virtual celebrity wall, what celebrity story or thing would you put on? I would put Richard Branson in an ice bath on a plane and I'll be right there. I'll be an ice bath on a virgin airplane. I think that would be quite cool. (laughs) Much less exciting question. One thing you wish you knew at the start of your career that you know now. (laughs) Health is your greatest wealth. Yeah. Yeah. And coupled with that, anything you'd have done differently knowing what you know now? I would have prioritized my physiology and my basic needs so that I could have kept doing what I love in the long term. This is hard, probably, but the top single tip that you would offer trainees to manage their stress. Breathe. Invest in a breathwork investment. Get a breathwork coach because, again, it's not relying on fancy tools that are going to run out of battery. It's something you're going to keep for the rest of your life. Perfect. And we always ask this one, was there a biggest mistake that you can remember in your career? Yeah, I did. I didn't hire a coach. I thought coaches were for athletes, you know, if you're an Olympian. And what I know now is that the best entrepreneur, the best lawyers, the best anything in this life, whether it's a coach, whether it's a mentor, a guru, however you want to call it, but they have someone, you know, coaches is not just for athletes. Love it. Love that. Last one, Rich. If you went back and started again, knowing what you know now, would you still do law? Absolutely. No hesitation. And I do believe that I would work with law for the rest of my life. Amazing. Well, that's it on the quick fire round. And that's all of our questions. Thank you so much for being here. (laughs) You're welcome. Thanks everyone for listening. We always have a great time on the podcast and appreciate everyone who comes back and listens every week. Feel free to like, subscribe, rate us five stars on Apple iTunes or wherever you are listening to this podcast. And of course, if you have any questions, then feel free to get in touch with us at so you think you want to be a lawyer at gmail.com or any other of our social media and contacts, which we will leave in the show notes. Hopefully we'll get around to answering some of your questions on future episodes of the podcast. And in the meantime, please keep coming back. Thanks.